Blog Talk Radio.
of a faithful God. Awesome is your name. You do mighty things. <laughs> you do glory. You're the faithful God. Your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Your name is your name is Yahweh. Your name is Yahweh. You're a miracle working God. Your name is You want to declare it. Your name, your name. Your name is Praise you, Lord. <clears throat> we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy that endure forever, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Hallelujah. What an awesome, awesome God we serve. Thank you, Lord, who care for us so much, who care for his children, his bride that is about to come to heaven. My brother and sister, any day, any hour, the rapture, the pasture, the apostle. It's so close for the bride, my brother and my sister. Hallelujah. That we don't want to be caught by surprise. 
We don't want the wrath of the pastor to happen and for us to miss this great day of the Lord, this day of celebration where Jesus is about to come for his bride to have made herself ready. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Jehoshua. We are so grateful. Hallelujah for his love and his mercy for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Awesome, awesome, awesome God. Awesome Jesus. Awesome Yeshua. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. Shalom, Sister Wendy, the Lord's servant, Joseph, Sister Regina, Sister Rietta. Shalom to each and one of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As the day approaches, the coming of Jesus, hallelujah, you can see, praise you, Lord, how things are changing. And it's uh, uh, best for us, but not for the world. Amen. Thank you, Lord. But there's something... Hallelujah, that I would like to share tonight. I'm going to share a few revelations. The Lord's given me a revelation this week. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. And um, praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Yeshua. I want to go into the Word of God because there's something in me, in my spirit, we need to be reminded of as a Christian. Hallelujah how God has chosen us in Christ. My brother and sister, I'll begin this in uh, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and on, where it says that he had died for all. This is a, a reminder of, G, of what Jesus did for you and I. This amazing sacrifice he did on the cross for each and one of us cannot be ignored it cannot be taken for granted because it's very valuable in heaven and it should be very valuable in our lives. My brother, my sister. Paul says to the Corinthian that he had died for all, that those who live should not henceforth live unto themselves. And that is humility. When you have learned not to live unto yourself, but unto God as humility. We are called to live a humble life in Christ. So again, that he died for all, that those who live should not, should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. In other words, what Paul is saying to the church is that now you and I, don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for Christ. We don't look forward to living a life of what I want, okay, what I desire. Now is what God wants for me, his plan, his will. At Jesus in Gethsemane, in the greatest test of, on this earth, pray, not my will, Father, but thy will be done, teaching us, to always look for God's will and not our own. And now that we don't live for ourselves, Paul says, hallelujah, but unto him who died for them and rose again for our Lord. Hallelujah. What a wonderful this word is. 
Verse 16, therefore, henceforth, now we, we know men according, we know men not according to the flesh, okay? We know men not according to the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ according to the flesh, this is an apostle who knew Christ according to the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no so no more. Because so, this is according to the spirit now. This is a spiritual life that you and I have been called to live, my brother and my sister. It's, it's for God, not for ourselves, but for our God who calls us, who chose us in Christ. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. Verse 17, therefore, if any man be in Christ, and that's women, men, hallelujah, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are come, become, I'm sorry, become, not come, become new. Everything in our life has become new. God is working in our life for us to live. Shalom, Brother Michael. Shalom, Andrew. To live this new life. Arlie, shalom. To live this new life for Christ. It's what we are called to do so, to live for him. Amen. To walk according to his will now. Totally different. I was taken to heaven this week shortly. I'm going to share a little later on. Thank you, Lord, as the revelation unfolds. As the Lord teaches us, Lord, help us to receive, help us to understand, help our heart, our mind, our life, Lord, that we will be ministered according to thy will, according to thy word, Lord. Keep my list from any lie, any deceiver of this world, the enemy, Lord, or the flesh. Just your word be, your will be. In our life and not our own, Lord. In Jesus' name, Yeshua name, Jehoshua name, I pray, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. What an awesome God. Yes, shalom, Brother Michael. Thank you, Yeshua. God has so much in store for us. God help us to receive it. My brother, my sister. Thank you, Lord. So therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So now you and I have to think, act, behave, walk in this new life. And we're better off doing what God wants us to do in the regard because that's where we are blessed. We're all spirits of blessing in Christ Jesus. When you think about the new life, the new mind, renew your mind in the word, Spend time with God. Listen to the message of the Lord, his revelation, his word mostly. It will cleanse you. It will purify you. Spend time every day listening to God's word. Let it be out of Bible audio. Music, worship, music, worship the Lord. Worship him. God wants us to worship him. He is, Jesus is worthy. God is worthy. For us to praise him. Spend time praising him. Of course, the enemy don't like that when we praise the Lord. Because when you praise the Lord, you are humbling yourself. When you take time to pray, you are humbling yourself. When you take time to fast, you are humbling yourself. When you take time to be in the word, 
When you meditate on the word, you are humbling yourself. And this is the calling God is calling us to, to humble ourselves before him. So that he may exalt us, the word of God says. Amen. So we humble ourselves, and then God will exalt us. And no way we should think about ourselves of anything. But just humble ourselves before him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 18. And all things are of God. Second Corinthians 5, 18. And all things are of God, who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Reconcile salvation. Bringing men to God through the cross, and having them give the light to Jesus, and having Jesus have it make them a new creature. Because this is all the work of God, or the work of the Spirit, not our work. Sometimes we want to take credit for what is not up for us to take credit. His work, His doing. I tell you, if the Lord did not come to me last night, I probably would not be here tonight. My brother and sister, He came to encourage me. He was standing next to my bed, ministering to me. Even before I went into prayer, to make, to make me ready to share his word, without him, there's nothing I can do. I said this to Jesus. He says, I'm glad you know this, my son. He said this to me. Without him, there's nothing I can do. He knows this. I have become to understand this very clear. Without him, there's nothing we can do. And the problem is that when we think we can't do things without him, we're making a big mistake. Brothers and sisters, we need him for everything and anything of God. Verse 19, to with that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. Imputing is saying, I'm going to send you to hell because of this that you did. But God was more willing to forgive have mercy on us that through Christ we will have the opportunity to repent and be able to come to him, be part of the family of God. Thank you, Jesus, for Father. And that committed unto us the world, the word of reconciliation. Now that we are ambassador for Christ. So what is your title? Your title is not minister, pastor, or whatever you call yourself. You are nine. The first title, if we want to call it a title, if we want to hang our, our life in, in a title. Because some people do that. They hang their whole life in a title. That's not of God, first of all. Okay? Because some people call the ministry... Uh, holy so and so and so so when you do that people will hold you up to that title and when they see you make a mistake oh man you're the worst you're the worst because see you, you made yourself a title they're going to hold you to the title because it's a, that's what you're saying you are when we're just serving a Christ we are ambassador. That's a title in the world today. The ambassador of the United States. The, amb the ambassador of friends. 
the ambassador, ambassador of Germany. See, that's a title in the world today, a very honorable title, very high-paying high, high job, you know. But how many, I haven't seen anyone calling themselves ambassador of Christ, you know, then that's what we are. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Now that we are ambassadors, Second Corinthians 5.20, of Christ, although God were beseeching you by us, we pray you on Christ's death, he be reconciled to God. For he hath made him who knew no sin be sin for us. Hallelujah. And this is why on the cross, thank you, sisters. Jesus said, Father, Father, Shalom, Brother Vigo, Shalom, Sister Luna, why have thou forsaken me? Father, why have thou forsaken me? Because at that very moment he was he was made sin in order to crucify sin. This is the power in Christ that we have through the cross and the power of resurrection in our body. That sin was crucifying Christ. And so this is the, this is how we can claim in prayer, fasting, and say, God. Help me to overcome this sin, whatever the sin is. I don't know what sin you're struggling with. We all struggle with something. The the disciple, the apostle struggle with something. So don't tell me that you don't struggle with anything. See, we, we will all become liars if we try to justify ourselves. We all struggle with something. That's where humility comes into place. Because humility is we saying, yes, I do, Brother Alvin. Yes, I do, sister. Yes, I do, brother. I struggle with something. You don't have to tell me what it is, though. But we all struggle with something. My brother and sister. Thank you, Lord. For he hath made him sin, who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, that we may have the opportunity to become right standing with God, through repentance to Christ, in Christ. Because when you repent, he cleanses you with his blood, and the blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Lord, please minister. So that we be right standing before God through Christ. My brother and my sister. Hallelujah. We don't understand sacrificial love. Father giving up his son. Is sacrificial love. I was taken to heaven shortly this week, and I met a dear sister in Christ, Ruth. In this life, I did not meet this woman of God, but I'm living in the house right now where I'm speaking to you from, in the house of Ruth, Sister Ruth. She's in heaven. She passed away a few years before we, I came to be into her house. Before we inquire her place, last year, my brother and sister, I met her daughter, her son, Joel, and her two other daughters, my brother and sister. And God is so awesome. We heard so much about Ruth, how she was such a great, fearful woman of God, my brother and sister. And it's like, I wanted to meet her. 
the Lord takes me to heaven. And I wanted to meet her. Because there's so many I have not met in heaven yet. And I have many, many other I have met and seen. My brothers and sisters, there's still people in heaven I want to see. But God wanted me to meet Ruth in heaven. So I was taken to this part of heaven, my brothers and sisters, where the Lord there was ministering to me, speaking to me about sacrificial love in heaven. And he was giving me this information. The information was going into my spirit. But he wanted me, me to meet someone who on earth had a sacrificial love like God, like Father, on earth. And this woman is Ruth, my brother and sister. As I was there, I saw this young lady coming. Ruth, when she passed away, I believe she was in the late 80s, I believe 88, 89. And um, I see a young lady coming in her 20s, beautiful, very well-dressed woman, my brother and sister. She had these long garment, I would call it, down to her feet, completely cover herself. But you can see it was a young lady. But at the same time, the Lord wanted me to know, he gave me the information about her, that this is Ruth, who was known Ruth on earth, it's Ruth in heaven, but now it's a young lady and her glorified body. My brother and sister, for some reason I was waiting for, there, for her there in this room, in this place. And as she headed my way, if I can see her coming, my brother and sister, and she come. And the Lord, as he was saying to me, he was going to show me sacrificial love that is important to God that we have this sacrificial love. So as the Lord teaches you, I'm listening to the Lord. I'm paying attention to my rabbi, my Lord, who is teaching me, who's giving me all this information that is it, so such a blessing to my life, to my spirit. Now, when someone is speaking to you and is teaching you, is revealing something so awesome to you, you want to learn more about it. My brother and sisters. So I'm there waiting for her. I see her coming. When she gets to me, a few feet away from me, she says, I've been told that you can tell me about my the, the well-being of my little Joe, she says. I have met Joe, her son, here on earth last year. He's one of our neighbors, a very nice man. We have spoken with him. Brother, Brother Ben and I pray over him. And he's the one that, that was going to die within 12 months. But God, this was last year. We pray over him. And he's still alive, still fine. He goes by my house every day. He always says, hi, hello, bye. He's always waving on us. My brother and sister, I thank God for him. Thank you, Lord. I didn't know nothing about this family before we came here to this part of Asheville last year. Hallelujah. But I've been told a lot of things about Sister Ruth, my brother and sister, but there was something I was 
I was told about her this, that when Joe was a teenager, and he would go out drinking with his body, get himself in trouble, and he would end up in jail. Sister Ruth loved her son so much, but as the Lord revealed me in heaven, she knew that Joe, her son, was a man of God like his father. Chosen, elected, selected by God. And that God had a purpose with him and he had a purpose with his father. I heard about her husband, but very little, not much. For some reason, her family refused to talk about her husband, but I believe I knew enough. Now in heaven, I began, I, more, I began to receive more information about her husband that I didn't know nothing on earth before. My brother insisted. So, hallelujah. She came, she came to me in heaven and says, I heard, I've been told that you can tell me about my little Joe. And I said to her, yes, your son is well. Your son is fine. He's doing fine down on earth. And she was so glad. Sister Ruth began to tell me about her son, Joe, and God. She said that Joe, like his father, was chosen by God, that he was a child of God, a child that God had a plan with him. Barbara is saying she knew this. So basically what Sister Ruth was explaining to me in heaven, that what you heard about me, selling my property to take my son out of jail, I did it out of love. It was a sacrificial love that even her daughter did not understand. She said, Ruth tells me in heaven that she was willing to do anything for her son because God had revealed to her that her son was chosen, elected by him, that he was a child of God. And that's all she needed. But she loved him. She loved him very much. But all, her knew in this, she says to me, who her son was. She was willing to do anything for him. Sacrifice her property, her money. It didn't matter to her. She knew who her son was because God revealed it to her. And she was obedient to God. It was like God knowing that we, my brother and sister, were in sin in the world. But God did not say, as Paul says to the Corinthians, these people are so sinful, forget about it, let them go to hell, let them go to the lake of fire, let them perish forever. God did not say that. You see, his agape love is so great for us. That the Bible said that for God loved the world. What compels God, what moved God to give up his only begotten son was the love he has for the world, the Bible says, for us, his elected, his people. That's what moved Father to do what he did. 
that people may not understand, Christians may not understand, the world may not understand why the Father gave his son for us. When we were sinful, when we were in disobedience, when we were in sin, it was us who ate the apple or the fruit in the garden. Who knows it was an apple? But it was us who ate the fruit in the garden. That God told Adam that in the day you will eat from it, you will die. You will surely die. He says to Adam and Eve, and they knew very well. But that did not stop, stop Adam and Eve from listening to the serpent and eating from the fruit that God told them not to eat, that they will die the day they will eat. Eat it, my brother and sister. So none of us can justify our sin, even though we were in the world and we were not Christians, our people say. But even when you went with that other woman or you went with that other man or you went and got drunk and you did this and you died, you knew that that was wrong. In our own conscience, we knew it was wrong. But that didn't stop Father for saying, I'm going to send my son to the cross for you. Because he loved us. My brother insisted with great love, agape love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believed in him shall not perish. <coughs> it was that humanity was going to perish. <coughs> and he loved humanity so much. That he cannot stand there. He could not sit there in his throne and watch humanity perish forever. He said within himself, I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to have to make my son a sin. I'm going to have to make him sin. Hallelujah. Jesus said on the cross, Father, Father, why have thou forsaken me? He made us sin. God cannot look upon sin. For the very first time in no creation, Father cannot look on his, on his child. And his only begotten son, for the first time in creation, he cannot look to his face. At that very moment, he cannot look upon him. Because God cannot look upon sin. And when he made him sin, for that very moment, Jesus experienced that separation from Father. And he said, Father, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? Because Father cannot look upon him. I was taken to the throne of Jesus and Father. And the Lord wanted to show me something. Look. When I look at humanity, when Father looks at humanity, he looks at us through the blood of Jesus. It's the only way God can look at us. My brother and sister, through the blood of Jesus. Because God cannot look upon sin. He cannot look upon sin. And from the throne of God, I was standing there with the Lord and the Holy Spirit. And Father Almighty was there, the invincible God. Looking down to the earth, looking at humanity on that great day. And Father was looking at us through the blood of Jesus. The blood shed on Calvary. My brother and sister, those nail went through his feet, went through his arm, and poured down blood where the body of Adam was. The cross of Jesus was right above the body of Adam where they buried him. And they will usually bury them together. So right next, if you read the Old Testament, 
when they will vary someone here on the right, they will bury the wife next to us. So the cross of Jesus was right on top of the body of Adam and Eve. My brother insisted. In that body of Adam and Eve, the blood of Jesus came over those bodies. And this is why Jesus is the second Adam. But no one reminds anyone that not only Adam was forgiven, the generation of Adam, but also a generation of Eve, my brother insisted, because the blood of Jesus came over the body of Eve also, because Eve's generation needed to be restored, my brother insisted. Eve was the woman that God made out of the rib of Adam, but God made Eve with his own two hands, my brother and sister, and made her, hallelujah, where God says to the serpent that the seed of the woman will be against the seed of the serpent. In other words, that the seed of the woman will be elected, selected one, bride of Christ, that would have trouble with the seed of the serpent. The church in the last day is the only one that had trouble, that had to rebuke the demon out of the seed of the serpent. My brother and sister, the church, the elected selected church of Christ, are the seed of the woman that God said, hallelujah, that will be again the seed of the serpent. In Genesis 3, my brother and my sister, the seed of the woman is a special one. It's the one that rebuked demon, that cast out devil in the name of the Lord. It's the one whose name are in the book of life. It's the one that is going to be ratchet departure very soon. The seed of the woman is the bride of Christ. My brother insisted. Equal, Jesus is the second Adam, but who is the second Eve? The church, the church represents Eve, my brother insisted, because the church elect the selected one are the one that comes out of the woman. Jesus takes the place of Adam, but who takes the place of Eve? The church. The church takes the place of Eve. And this is why the church is the bride of Christ. The church is the one who married Christ. In the wedding celebration, just like Adam married Eve by God, it was Father who married Adam and Eve, my brother insisted, and said in the foundation of marriage that now a man will have to leave his, his mother and their parents and climb to his wife and be one. So the Lord becomes one with the seed of the woman like Eve. So the, the church represents Eve. Jesus represents Adam. And we go back to the garden and eternity like into the garden, my brother and sister. We go back to the garden of Adam and Eve like it was in the beginning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome God. God is revealing mystery in the last day that are, you'll fall back if you hear all of them. Little pieces now like a piece of bread. And then he keeps giving us more and more and more. But everything is in his word. Jesus represents Adam, the church represents Eve. Thank you, Lord. And this is why the seed of, of Eve 
is the one that fights the seed of the serpent that are against each other in the last day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. To explain being born again now, we go to John 3. The Bible says that there was a man of the Pharisee named Nicodemus, ruler of the Jewish people. Now, let me say something to you. Why the Bible is pointing out to only Nicodemus and not his brothers and sisters or his mom or his father or his fellow worker, the people that went to the temple together? How come Nicodemus had three, four, five thousand brethren and not more than are mentioned here? Only one, Nicodemus, because it was only one who repented. There's only one that can turn back to Jesus. And the difference that you and I make from everybody else is, are you the one turning to Jesus in prayer every day? Are you the one repenting your sin to him and seeking him every day, fasting at least one day a week, committing your life to him? Because if you are the one, you are being like Nicodemus. He turned back to Jesus. You don't need to understand everything. Nicodemus, Nicodemus didn't even understand salvation. You don't have to understand it all. But when you come to a rabbi Jesus, he'll explain things to you. He's loving. He is patient. There's so much I don't understand. Sometimes the Lord has to take me to heaven. And they are explain things to me. Show me and explain things to, to me. And you may say, you might be the, the, the less knowledgeable preacher I ever heard in my life, that the Lord needs to take you to heaven to explain you the Bible. But I don't see it that way. I see it that it's a blessing the Lord take me to heaven to explain things to me. Because I believe most of all the knowledge of God down here, my brother and sister, with all the darkness and weakness, it's, it's hard to understand them. And to trust anybody for you to sit and listen to anybody explaining the Bible. Because there's so much false teaching down here. My brother and sister, it's better to hear it from the Lord. Amen. Verse 2. Then the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher and come from God, for no man can do these things, these miracles that thou dost unless God is with him. Who told Nicodemus now? What Nicodemus he is doing with, with the Lord is, he gets a revelation of Jesus through the miracle. He sees God in the miracle of Jesus. This is where Jesus revealed himself to your life. When you can see God in his miracle, when you can see God in his word, when you have an encounter with God, your life changes. Nicodemus is a changed man right now. But he, he doesn't understand the new being born again. But he comes to the right source of information. He comes to Jesus. Many people go to men, and they sit there, and they get a lot of truth, but then they get, a, they get some false teaching. Lies and false teaching. I don't like it when preachers go back to the, to, to the past. And they say, look, in the 1800, in the 1500, this happened, this was said, the king said that. What does that have to do with the Bible? That is very dangerous. And I've been asking the Lord to cleanse me for false teaching. And being careful that myself, I don't hear things and say that is true. My brother and sister, that we need to check with the Lord about everything. Hallelujah. Because it's easy to become a false teacher. And it's going to take a lot of prayer and fasting and committing to the Lord to be a, right, a righteous preacher, a truth preacher. You need to have a commitment with the Lord to be in the truth. And only listen to the Lord only. 
That takes a lot, my brother and sister. Verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. The kingdom of God is going to heaven or, or see Jesus come back unless you're born again. Hallelujah. How many people want to see the kingdom of God? See it. Then that is being revealed to you unless you're born again. God have mercy on people and show them things. But not see it. Not touch it. Hold it. And be part of it. See it. That's talking about revelation. When you see these things that the Lord will show you. Like John saw in the book of Revelation. Daniel was shown to. He saw. Unless you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. And that is so true also being part of the kingdom of God. That when you are part, when you receive Christ into your life, you don't necessarily see. But God can show you. Hallelujah, as you ask. Because now you're not a friend anymore. You are a child. And this is what a lot of people need to understand. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you confess the Lord as your Lord and Savior, when you gave your life to Jesus, learn to pray as a child, not as a friend anymore. You don't need to say, I don't know if God hears me. I don't know if God's going to answer me. I don't know if my prayer is going to make it to the throne. See, you're praying like a friend when you pray this way. When you pray like a child, you say, Father, I know you always hear me. That's how Jesus prayed. Father, I thank you. And I didn't say this, just, I said this for thee, because I know you always hear me. Jesus prayed with such a confidence as the Son of God that God always hears him. We need to learn to pray in that way, too, because God always hears us, my brother and sister. And God always hears his children, the boys, the, the ears of the Lord are to hear the prayer of the righteous Proverbs. God always hears our prayer. They're open to hear our prayer. We need to understand that we are a child. We're not no more friends. So we need to move from that prayer as friends. Forget about that. And now read the Bible. Believe how Jesus prayed, who taught us how to pray, and pray like a child. Say, Father, I know you always hear me. That's a big difference than saying, oh, I don't know if you can hear me. Now, God always hears us. God always hears his children. Thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. So Sister Will says to me in heaven this week that my little Joe is just like his father, a man of God, chosen by God. Praise the Lord. And she knew this. So her love for her child, she loved him very much. But everything she did, it was a sacrificial love for her son, but not just for her son, and obedient to God. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. No, no friends have greater love than him that will give his life for his friend, Jesus said. That's how she loved her son. She will be willing to give up anything for him. 
And she did it in obedience to God in his word. My brother, it's just like father who was willing to give up his son for us. She was willing to give anything for her son. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And that's what the Lord was teaching me this week, sacrificial love, which I thought it was very stunning to my own personal life. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Verse 4, Nicodemus said unto him, How can any man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? That's a good question. And he's asking, hallelujah, the one that knows everything, Jesus. You have a question. Don't go crazy when you're asking people and they cannot answer you. Pray and fast for the Lord to answer you. And wait on the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Unless a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. My brother and sister, water, hallelujah, and spirit, water represents the Holy Spirit. Spirit represents God because God is a spirit. Hallelujah. So water and spirit always go together in God. When you study the Bible, and hallelujah, you study about water from the beginning. Hallelujah. The Bible says, hallelujah, in Genesis, that the, the earth was now formed, hallelujah, in darkness. Let me go back to Genesis. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Genesis 1. Hallelujah. The earth was now formed in boy. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. Notice how the Spirit of God and water in the beginning are together. Of like one. The Spirit of God moves in the water. Hallelujah. Mightily. And he wants to be with this water. Our body, life percent of our body is made of water. I believe it's 70% of our body is water. The Holy Spirit wants to be in our lives. This is what the Lord showed me. When the church goes in the rash of the pasture, and the great tribulation begins, and the Holy Spirit are removed from the earth, I noticed that the earth temperature here in the United States immediately was up to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. All the major lakes in the United States began to dry. The Hudson River, the Mississippi River, all, all the major lakes in the United States and river began to dry completely to the point three years later the Lord takes me into the Great Tribulation yet again. It was about four to five years into the Great Tribulation. And all the rivers and lakes in the United States are completely, completely dry. I saw people going down with gallons and buckets down to the river, whoever was alive still. The good thing about the Great Tribulation is that don't, people don't see it as a good thing. There is a lot of people alive. And you may say, but Brother Elby, with all the Russian nuclear weapons coming this way and going to Russia, how can anyone be alive? The devil can never trick God. God is in control. There will come a time, you know, yes, they're going to exchange nuclear weapons to destroy basically everything. But here's something that many people have forgotten. That in the great tribulation, even though nuclear weapons are hitting the earth, the land, the Bible said that death will elude them. 
they're not going to die. The water will be contaminated with radiation. The food, nothing will be drinkable or eatable anymore. The food is not going to be good enough to eat. The water is not going to be good enough to drink. The air will not be good enough to drink. Brother Obi, how are all these people alive? They want nothing to do with humanity. Humanity, they have an order from God who's in control. Don't touch them. They're going to suffer without having water to drink, food to eat. And still they're better off than being in hell. Still they're better off than being in the lake of fire. My brother and sister, the mercy of God for humanity. God knows that there are billions of people who will not commit, who will not obey, who material stuff are deep into their eyes, deep into their soul, deep into their spirit, deep into their heart. And the more you talk to them about Jesus, the more they reject him. And God is saying, my spirit will not strike with men. God made the day short. He's going to remove his spirit like he did in the times of Noah from the earth and leave these people to suffer, my brother and my sister. It will be seven years of great tribulation like it never been before, Jesus said in Matthew 24, like it will never be again. Great suffering. I saw houses in the great tribulation, 140 degree temperature, caught in fire on their own. A few years ago, California, Temperature went up in the 120, 130. Some registered, registered in 140. And there was fire being caught everywhere. This was causing fire everywhere. In the Great Tribulation, this is normal. In North Carolina, in New York, in Massachusetts, in Maine, in California, in Texas, in anywhere, in Chicago. You name the state, they all go into the same. 140-degree temperature. In Maine, that is so cold. In Massachusetts, in New Hampshire, that is so cold. 100 degree, 140 degree Fahrenheit temperature. And it doesn't cease. It doesn't stop. Because people have forgotten that the Holy Spirit and water are one. And that when the earth was empty and boy, and darkness was, open, was over the horizon, there was water over it. And the Holy Spirit of God was moving upon the water. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. The earth was empty and void. There was no water on the earth. And only when God began to organize everything back, that's when the rivers, the lake, and all that began to appear as Father spoke his word. That everything, according to Christ, life, because he is life. He spoke life to everything, and everything was made. Hallelujah, just like his son. Water, life, represent Jesus. Every single life on this earth represents Jesus because he is the living water. He is the life of all men. My brother, my sister. Hallelujah. John seven thirty eight. He that believeth in me, as the scripture said, Hallelujah, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. He is the living water. He is the living life. Nothing can be without Christ. I see we move his spirit from the earth, everything immediately began to die off. No, no, no more nice winter with snow in the Great Tribulation. There's no snow everywhere. It's just he, he, unbearable he. My brother, Solomon, Solomon 
for 15 fountains of God and of well living water, stream from the Lebanon. Jeremiah 2, 13, for my people have committed to evil. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and you heal them out a certain, broken certain, that can hold no water. You see, that's what's coming in the Great Tribulation. As they have rejected God, fountain of living water, what do they get like certain? Empty hole with no water at all. That's the seven-year Great Tribulation. Water and snow began to disappear 100% from the earth. And the earth in the air, it's just dry, dry, 100 degrees, 140 degree temperature. Unbearable, practically. Right now under this body, under that temperature, we would die. But since they elude these people, there is not around to kill anyone. These people are alive, but in terrible, terrible pain. My brother and sister. Oh, my Lord, my God. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 17, 13, O oh Lord, the hope of Israel. Hallelujah. All that forsake thee shall be ashamed. They that depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. That's what the great tribulation is. Jesus is the fountain of living water. The great tribulation is deserted, is empty. All people leave us in shame. They knew about God. They knew that one time there was snow on the earth. They knew that the spirit of God was on the earth for thousands of years, that they should have been repentant to God and being comforted by the Holy Spirit. Now that he is no more around, everything is death, boy, and darkness, as it was in the beginning, before God ordered everything to come into place. Hallelujah. Everything goes back to the way it was. Boy and empty. My brother and sister. Hallelujah. God have mercy. God have mercy. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knowest the gift of God, and who it is that said unto thee, Give me to drink, thou would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Hallelujah. Jesus says, hallelujah, living water. He is the fountain right now of the water that you and I drink every day. That even though the enemy has been trying to contaminate water, Jesus is water. The Holy Spirit is water. Water and spirit are combination. And this is why you and I are alive. If it was for the Antichrist and the devil... Every single human by now will be death, death completely. But there's still 8 billion people on the earth alive. How is that possible? How is that possible? They, those A's, A represent eternity. They're either appointed to eternity with God or eternity with the devil in the lake of fire. That A is very important. A lot of people take those eight billions of people for granted. No. A has no end. A represents eternity. It's either an eternity with, through Christ with God or an eternity without Christ, without God, in hell, in the lake of fire forever and ever. My brother and sister, God help us. God help us. John four eleven. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with the well is deep. 
from when that thou got the living water. How are you going to get that water? Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. John seven thirty eight. He that believeth in me, as the scripture said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. I don't know how many of you have experienced this. Hallelujah. But sometimes I have experience in my belly through fasting as, as the presence of God moving my life very strong. I have felt that living water and fasting comforting me, ministering to me. It's an awesome experience. Jesus said out of the belly will flow living water. Rivers of living water. Thank you, Lord. You can experience that with the Lord if you ask. He is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And this living water, so you know it comes from heaven. Revelation 7, 17. For the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of water. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. God is our refuge. God is our protector, our protection. We are never thirst with the Lord. Because he is spirit, but he's also living water. We'll never be thirst. I haven't seen anyone in heaven thirst, ever. Everyone is satisfied. As, a, as Ruth spoke to me in heaven, and she began to walk away, the Lord wanted me to look at her shin, her face, close to it. She looked no more than 20. A beautiful skin in heaven. I saw, when I said to her that her son was well on earth, that he was fine, I knew that he was fine, because she was told in heaven that I would tell her about her son, Joe, as she called him little Joe. When I told him he was well, tear came out of her eyes of joy. People usually cry when you hear, oh, he's dead. Then they cry in heaven. When you are told something good about someone being being of your family, you cry. And your cry is of joy. Not a worry, not a fear. Like people cry down here. You cry in heaven of joy. But the good thing is that God's gonna wipe away all of our tears. He collects our tears, my brother and sister. Hallelujah. And I looked at her tear from close. The Lord wanted me to see them. Hallelujah. They were original tear, not fake. It was truth, joy in the Lord. My brother insisted out of love, not pretending. It was a true love in God, sacrificial love. She's willing to do anything for her son, give up anything for her son. She did it on the earth, and God the Father is very pleased with her, my brother insisted, because she did it in love for God. Verse 6, in which it is born of the flesh is of the flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is of the spirit. She knows that her son is of God as she spoke to me, because he, he is born of God, and God is the spirit. He is born of the spirit, although it's in a flesh body. But he is of God. He is born of God. Thank you, Lord. Jesus said, Marvel now that I say this unto thee. You must be born again. People marvel for miracles, but marvel that you'll be born again. Amen. 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Then verse 11, verily, verily, I said unto thee, we speak that we know and testify that we have, what we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. See, unless you, you, can, you are taken by God to see these things, and you can testify of them, you know that that's true because they come from heaven. There's no light in heaven, my brother and sister. Hallelujah. Verily, verily, I said unto thee, speak that what we know. Testify that we have seen, and you will see not our witness. Thank you, Lord. When it's from God, it's from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 12, I have told you earthly things, and you believe it not. How should you then believe if I tell you heavenly things? Verse 13, no man had ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, who is in heaven. I remember Brother Larry and I sharing, God revealed something awesome of the Lord to Jesus, to Brother Larry, I remember. And what it was is that the Lord revealed to him, Lord, so when you were on the cross being crucified, were you also in heaven? And the Lord said, yes. i always been in heaven. Huh? Huh? He was on earth being crucified, being seen by people, and he was still God in heaven? The Lord said, yes. Brother Richard was taken to the third heaven, third level. I have placed some of his audio here sometime. He saw Jesus speaking with brothers and sisters, redeems in heaven. And he can see Jesus to the right, to the left, straight, everywhere. Jesus was having different conversations with people. And it was still Jesus. They were still seeing him. It was still, he was all God, almighty God. And he, and he was everywhere. Because in heaven, everything is revealed. On earth, you don't see that. But here is what Jesus said. At the same time he was speaking here with Nicodemus, he told Nicodemus, no man had ascended unto heaven, he says, but he that came down from heaven. But look what he said, even the son of man who is where. At the same time Nicodemus was speaking with him, he was there with Nicodemus. He told Nicodemus also that who is in heaven? He was in heaven, King of kings, Lord of lords, next right hand of the Father, in heaven, here right there in heaven, who is in heaven. And he was down here on this earth at the same time speaking with Nicodemus. That's such a mind-blowing about the Lord, and it's in his word. Even the Son of Man, who is where? He didn't say the one that is right here speaking in front of you. He says the one who was in heaven. He was like he was telling Nicodemus, I am speaking with you here, and I'm also in heaven too. At the same time, I'm in two places, but not just well to Nicodemus in two places. But if you can see him in heaven, you see him maybe in a million places. As he's as Father says to Brother Larry, my son, right now I'm running over a billion galaxies. Where in each one of them I have my throne. 
And each and one of them, I am God with my son. But I, Father, help my son. We really, we really don't come close to understand all this mystery. When we go to heaven in a hundred percent brain that we're going to use, my brother says <laughs> we're going to understand more. This week, as Jesus was speaking to me in heaven, His word under His power was so pure, so holy. My brothers and sisters, as He was speaking to me, I could receive the word so holy and pure in heaven. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, with an anointing that if I try to describe it to you, I don't think I can. Imagine being in the middle of the Niagara Fall, standing there with all that water coming down to you. But all that water doesn't even come close to how powerful the Lord Jesus is. My brother, my sister, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Yeshua. There's no word to describe him. When you come to heaven and he speaks to you and you are in his presence, and when he begins to reveal himself to you, and you come out of there, and you come to see me, come to my mansion and talk to me about Jesus, you're going to look at me and say, Brother Elvi, I don't know if I, can, if I can explain this to you. And I'll say to you, I understand. Don't worry. I understand. Thank you, Lord. God, my Lord, my God. Verse 13. Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. When God told Moses to make the serpent, when the venomous serpent was biting the children of Israel in the leg, and some of them died. They were bitten in their leg, and some of them died. My brother and sister, I'm sure it was very painful. God would mostly pray for them. At that very moment, if you read the story back in the Old Testament, they were in disobedience. The only reason why the serpent bit them, because they were in disobedience. And like we say before, there's no guarantee in disobedience. But most have prayed for them unto the Lord, a type of Jesus. He interceded for them before God, as he had done plenty of times, numerous times. He prayed for them. And God says to Moses, go, get a pole, get a pole, and put a, a um, let me see what, what was the material he used. Thank you, Lord. I believe it was brass. I'm trying to think of the material that, that we use. My brother insisted that God told him to build the, the, the serpent out of the material, just to, give, to explain to you the material. The material was the same material that was in the Ark of the Covenant. Maybe someone can look up the material for me for a minute. The material was the same material, I believe it was silver, that, that, that was in the Ark of the Covenant. Because you have several materials. But the specific material that the serpent was made of, that most of will have to put in the post, was the same material that was in the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that the presence of God 
was in the Ark of the Covenant after the children of Israel left Egypt. God told them to make an ark to Moses in the wilderness. And the priest carried the ark all the way onto the promised land. You'll read later on all the problem they have with the ark. It was, it was stolen by the Philistine. Bronze, thank you, bronze, bronze. It could not have been silver. It has to be bronze. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Um, thank you, Yeshua. Thank you, Joshua. I want to confirm that because, hallelujah, you cannot um, guess in the Lord. There's no guessing in God. You have to know, my brother and sister. You have to uh, be sure. Yeah? You have to say, well, here, this is what the Bible says. Hallelujah. It's here. Let me give you the verse, Brother Elvi. Here it is. Thank you, Lord. You cannot guess these things. Because anything that you guess can can mislead someone. Okay? It can mislead someone of God, of the, out of the way of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Brass. Brass, not bronze, brass. Okay, brass. The brass serpent. Okay. Thank you, Lord. It's in um, number 21.9. Moses made a serpent of brass, put it upon a pole, and it came to pass as the serpent had been any man, he beheld the serpent of brass, and he lived. Okay. It's very important because this is different material. And the material is important that you know. Okay. Okay. It's important that you know the material because the material, why is important? Because the material is prophetic. That is why. Okay. And it has to do with prophecy. If you if you say it wrong, you 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 can um mislead someone in a prophecy. Okay. Mislead someone from Christ. Okay. So this is why I tell you it's important that you know, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Let me, I'm looking for another verse in regard to the brass. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In the book of Daniel, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Yeshua. Thank you, Lord. Brass, brass. Hallelujah. It's in Daniel, and I'm going there. Praise you, Yeshua. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Yeshua. Brass, brass, hooper brass. Thank you, Yeshua. That is associated with the ark, and it's associated with the Lord. Amen. And that material points out to Jesus. It was in the ark. Brass was in the ark. Okay? Brass ark. My brother and sister. And it's associated with God. And associated with the Lord. So this is why, okay, it has to uh, be biblical. It has to be in, in the word. My brother and sister, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Yeshua. Brass was in the ark, and brass is associated with the Lord. So he says that 
Let me see. I will have to bring that back again. Okay? So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so will be the Son of Man lifted up. Okay? So look how it ties to the Son of Man. It's tied to Jesus. It's prophetic. It's prophetic. Jesus is the foundation of every single prophecy. There's no prophecy without him. And every prophecy talks about him. That's why I tell you, brass, bronze, silver, gold, you each have to, when you look them up, you have to keep them. Because it has to be tied with the ark. It has to be tied with the Lord. My brother insisted, it's prophecy representing the Lord. So it's very important. Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So you see that her breath here is representing Jesus. It's tied to Jesus. And it's so prophetic that it points out to Jesus that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So if you are a rabbi of the Old Testament, and someone is preaching to you about Jesus in the sample, because there will be Jewish people listening to this audio later on, tonight or later on. And so when I speak about this, I need to know what I'm saying. You need to know what you're saying. And when you talk about brass being in the, in the ark, being in the holy of holy of God, Jesus was there with Father and Holy Spirit. That's what represents God. So if you're speaking to a rabbi from Israel who, who doesn't know Messiah, and you want him to come to the knowledge of Jesus, Messiah, you have to give him provable information about Jesus. <clears throat> that he is God, that he is Messiah, and that he is tied with the Holy of Holy in the ark. So he has to be able to look up the information about brass, silver, gold, and compare it to Christ and say, Jesus Christ is the true Messiah, and come to the knowledge of Jesus and receive him as the Lord and Savior. This is how Jewish people are coming to the Lord. But you got to prove it to them. Got to show them in the, in the Word of God where you say that he that that the serpent that was raised, just like the serpent was raised in the wilderness, so Jesus said will be the Son of Man be raised in the last days. Will be raised. Will be lifted up. So the Son of Man will be lifted up. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Sorry, no last day. Sorry, eternal life because it's in the now. It's in the now. It's in the present. It's prophetic, past, present, and future. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. See, he's given you Christ, but not just Christ. He's given you the whole package, salvation, eternal life. He'll take care of you completely. God will take care of you completely. When you receive Christ, you receive the total package from God. Of salvation and everything you and I will need for this life and the life to come. There was nothing after you receive Christ, after you have Christ in your life as your own, as your Lord, as your God and Savior, and you're serving and you walk in obedience to Him. When you go to heaven, you are welcome as a son and daughter of Christ. When you go into eternity, you are welcome as a son and daughter of God, of Christ. Because you have Him. You have entrance unto God and to His kingdom. My brother and sister, to Christ. 
Because you have received already eternal life to Christ. That cannot be taken away from you. You can walk there having confidence in Christ, having confidence in God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See, when the Lord brings me to heaven, he has taken me to heaven, and I have walked that holy place of heaven. And the redeemed have greeted me. I have spoken with angels in heaven. None of them discriminate me or think of me any less because they know I have received Christ. They know the Lord is my Lord and my Savior, and he is God Almighty. We are all brothers and sisters, servants of Christ, servants of God, my brothers. So we are treated so in heaven, everywhere God takes you in heaven. Everywhere God allows you to walk in heaven and talk with them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. No discrimination. Just welcome into the family. Verse 17, for God had not sent his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. The world needed salvation. The world needed Messiah. The world needed Christ. And God knew that only Christ could save them. See, Jesus Christ, Messiah means salvation, Savior of the world. So God can only give us Messiah, his son, to save us because nothing else could but his son only. That's why salvation only comes through Jesus Christ. I'm sorry for the Muslim, the Buddha, the any other religion, Muhammad, Buddha, none of them can save you. My brother and sister, only Jesus Christ can save you. And a lot of people, this other religion, people bothers them when Christians said only Jesus saves you. But he is the only one the Father had chosen to save humanity. Nobody else. My brother and sister, anybody else who tells you any different is lying. It's deceiving you. Jesus Christ is the only truth. In the Son of God. Clearly. Verse 18. He that believeth in him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he had not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Notice what the condemnation is. That they don't believe in Christ. Amen. So in another word. They are the one condemning themselves. Because they, God already has said everything the way it should be to Christ. When they don't believe in Christ and reject him, they become sons of the lake of fire, sons of hell, sons of the devil. My brother insisted. And this, that's the only place that they can go to because that is the only place designated to throw the end of disobedience. My brother insisted. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, that men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. So in the moment you hear someone rejoicing in darkness, rejoicing in sin, rejoicing in evil, loving evil, loving wickedness, my brother and sister, that you see right there, that they love that because their deeds are evil. My brother and sister, their deeds is who they are. My brother and sister, the deed of darkness, the work of darkness, what they are about, what they have become. And what they become is what they are, darkness. My brother and sister, look at the, the elite of the world, how much deceiving they have done and stolen from humanity. But it doesn't matter because all this is going to perish soon. 
God is going to put this, put this world through fire and destroy everything. The element of what Pope Peter said are going to melt. So it doesn't matter how strong steel is, plotting is, and all these other materials are. They're all going to melt through fire. And the fire of God, the degrees are in the hundreds of thousands of millions. Nothing will be able to withstand that fire. My brother, my sister, it's coming. Jesus is coming to save the world, to save humanity. Humanity needs to repent and turn to him before it's too late. Verse 20, everyone that does evil hate the light. Neither come to the light, lest the deeds should be reproached. So when the person is doing evil and comes to God, what comes first? The reproach. God says, look, this that you're doing is wrong. It's not pleasing to me. Stop. Repent. Don't do it again. That's repenting. Repenting is you come into God, you repent, you take the opportunity, you repent of your sins and trespasses. You look forward not to do it again. When the devil tempts you to do it again, if you sin, you have a lawyer with God who will intercede for us day and night, who will say, God, my daughter, my son committed a sin. Please forgive him. And Father would have mercy. It doesn't please God, he said, through Ezekiel, to destroy the wicked. My brother insisted. He wants to save the wicked, but it's up to people to repent. Gives everyone the same opportunity. Same. Verse 31. But he that does true come to the light, that his deed may be made manifest, and that they, they are brought into God. So when you come to God and you repent your sins and trespasses, the first thing is that God will quicken your spirit, and God will show you. See, back, back in the Dominican Republic, where I grew up with my grandmother, my grand-grandmother was Catholic. My grandmother was Catholic, I remember, through my mother's side. Since my father passed away in 1979, I was only seven. So my mother brought us to my grandmother's house. After being in a Christian family, just learning about God all those years, I was seven years old, now I'm being brought to my grandmother from my mother's side who was Catholic who prayed to idols, Virgin Mary and them. And then my grandmother wanted me to do first communion and the last I was in her household. I could not disobey my grandmother because she would have smacked me. Because back then they'll smack you if you disobey them. So you have to be obedient. They'll whip you. And I grew up in a house that would whip me. I didn't know about whipping. I got my good whipping in my grandmother's house. And now she wanted me to go to Catholic Church and do my first communion. But I remember when she took me to Catholic Church and they were doing the stuff, I would laugh. And she would have to smack me to stop laughing. And the reason why I laughed because I knew all those God in the Catholic Church cannot save you. St. Peter, St. John, St. Matthew, none of them can save you. I knew there was an item made of men's hand. If they would allow me, I would have break them. But I, I would have gotten beaten by my grandmother. And the priest was not happy sometimes because I would laugh. My brother and sister, I would laugh a lot. I would just come out of my spirit. I was, I was risen in a Christian's. My, my grandfather to my father's side 
My grandfather was a pastor. My grandmother was, was a pastor of the church with him also. And they raised me in the Bible and the word of God. And now living with my other religious grandparents, what a mess that became. But I believe God used me also as a living testimony to them. That the God that they were worshiping would not trip God. The Bible says so. And it will, God will make it come out of my spirit, me laughing aloud. Uncontrollable laughing at what they're praying to idols. My brother, my sister. Hallelujah. But she made me do first communion and all that. But I never felt fine in the, in the Catholic Church. For years she made me go. My grandmother made me go. But I never felt it fine because God had a plan with me. Then when I was 10 that the Lord began to work in my life, 11, 12, God began to come to me and reveal himself to me and spoke to me before God said he would send me to the United States to the fatherland, a land that he says to me back then he had blessed, and that in this land where he will bring me here, he will take care of me, he will provide my need, but he said he will raise me as a minister and use me, my brother and sister. And every single word God promised me, he had brought it to pass. My brother insisted. He told me it would not be easy for me in the beginning. It wasn't. But God provided everything. Because with God, all things are possible. My brother insisted. Thank you, Lord. When I recommitted my life back in 92, my brother insisted. I was so excited that God, the God who spoke to me back in the island when I was 12, now I was about 19, in God, or 20, 20. Eight years later, God was speaking to me again. Father spoke to me, I remember, like he, like he spoke to the Apostle Paul. That, lightning, that light came into my room after I had received Jesus, confessed the Lord as my Lord and Savior, now began to go to church. That lie I remember, I wanted to know to get to know God, who I already have encountered. And I remember I got up I got up around six six AM to pray to seven before I would take the bus at seven to go to work. And as I was on my knees next to my bed praying to God, I was telling God I wanted to know him. Thank you, Lord. That powerful light came into my room. And he says, I am God, the God of Abraham, the creator of the earth, God of Isaac and Jacob. But God spoke to me in Hebrew. And I remember the Holy Spirit translating what Father was saying to me in Hebrew. And later on, I came to the knowledge why Father spoke to me in Hebrew, because I'm an original Hebrew to the blood of Messiah. The same blood that Jesus had as a Hebrew Jewish, so am I also. My brother and sister, God was speaking to the Jewish of me, the DNA that God had preserved in our lives as a Christian. That although our parents are married different nations, God had preserved that DNA in our lives. We are chosen, elected, selected by him. Then Jesus later on explained to me years ago that my DNA is the same as his DNA. Things that I didn't even know. Thank you, because I wanted to know. And God is in the knowing business. He'll teach you. You want to know? Ask him to reveal it to you. 
he will reveal it to you. Thank you, Lord. So God was faithful to do everything he said. I mean, there was not one thing he said that he did not fulfill. Everything he has said, he has fulfilled. Hallelujah. Because he's faithful God. Years in time don't matter in God's promise. Because God can fulfill something tomorrow, next week, next year, that he promised you today. His word is amen. Hallelujah. Let it be so. He fulfilled his amen. He gives us an amen to the promise he gives us. And he fulfills them. My brothers, that's why God is asking us to believe him. Believe his word. Believe his promise. Because God is able to fulfill his word. See, we're not able to fulfill what we promise, but God is able to. And so our trust in God is that everything he has promised us, he's going to fulfill it to us. Thank you, Lord, because he's able to. He has the power. He's the almighty God. God has not been unfaithful to a single human being in all his creation. What, what makes us think that we're going to be the first one he's going to be unfaithful to? The devil wants to tell people that God's going to fail you. And he'll put those thoughts in people's mind. And he'll keep on wandering, waving like the, sea, like the water of the sea. But if you trust the Lord and pray and fast and commit your life and wait on him, he's going to fulfill every single promise to you. You will be shocked and amazed at how faithful he is. My brother and my sister, thank you, Lord. He fulfilled his promises. Verse 32, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came unto the land of Judea, and he tarried with them and baptized. He kept doing the, the will of Father. He came to Nicodemus. He ministered to Nicodemus. Jesus kept doing the will of Father, saving people, baptizing people. Why? Because if you get caught up and, oh, I'm still waiting, and do nothing about it, you can get caught up in doubt and unbelief. Don't get caught up in doubt and unbelief. Repent doubt and unbelief. Take it serious. Take it like a sickness like COVID-19. Don't let the sickness of doubt and unbelief come into your heart and mind. Repent it every day. You're going to find out that you're going to be better off. The time is going to come that God's going to answer you. God's going to answer your prayer. And you're going to learn something that I learned. It's better for God to answer us in his timing. His timing is perfect than when we want. See, we, 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 when we pray and we ask God, this is what we think in our mind immediately. Well, I'm praying for this. I hope I get it this year. I hope I get it in a few months. Well, I hope I get it next week. Let me tell you something. If God's perfect timing to answer your prayer in next week, he's going to answer you 100%. But God's perfect timing is not your timing. His timing. And in his timing, it's going to be perfect. None of the children of Israel and the women went hungry, went naked, and did not have enough. On the contrary, when they complained they didn't have enough, God's timing was around the corner. And when they complained to Moses, and Moses and Aaron went before God and prayed, God answered them in his timing. And you know what happened after God answered them? They had abundance 
and over more than what they needed. To the point that God had to say to them, tell the children of Israel, when God provided them with me, not to leave me for the fourth day for for because the meal is gonna go bad. They didn't have refrigerator in the wilderness. They didn't have fridge. They could they had nothing to present. Well, the Jewish people from since the time of law Abraham, they knew about salting the meat. It's what they take the meat, they put it in a bunch of salt in a bag. And that's how the the children of Israel had this wisdom from God to preserve the meat with salt. That's why in the times of law, the reason why Lot went to Sodom and Gomorrah was because Lot was a great negotiator. He knows about abundance of salt and negotiated salt with them. Made a lot of money to himself. So salt was always a way for the Jewish people to make a lot of money. They knew the secrets of salt. Still next to Israel, there's a lot of salt today. My brother says, tell to today. And sir, preserve me. It's one of the oldest ways to preserve me is to preserve it in salt. And then you can take it out and, and wash off the salt, boil it, take out the salt. And, but that's how you can preserve me for a longer time. You dry it up in salt and, and you storage it and it will last you a long time. My brother says, but God told them not to do so. God knew that the Jewish people were going to use their wisdom to preserve the meat and so to God said, don't, don't, don't do that. See, if you do that, then you're going to be dependent on the meat and not on God. My brother insisted. God did not want them to depend on what they have on hand, but to depend on God and what you need for tomorrow. What did Jesus say about not worrying about your tomorrow? Jesus said to a disciple, my brother and sister, not to worry about tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. See, because people, a lot of people live in the tomorrow, not in the today. Today, God is asking them to repent. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34, Take therefore now that thou hallow your thoughts for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thou for the thing itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, let me get this to um, another translation. Hallelujah. Uh, in the Amplified Bible, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day have a trouble in its own. See, when you are worried about tomorrow, this is what you're doing. You're not repenting today. You're not committing your life to God today. See, worry is a sin in itself. Let tomorrow worry about itself. If you today repent your sin to God, Seek God with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding and commit your life to God today, today. Whatever happens tomorrow, it will not affect you. It will not harm you in any shape or way before. God is the one who holds our tomorrow. And if today you are committed to God, you are walking with God, you're seeking to be in obedience to God today. When tomorrow comes, 
the one that holds our tomorrow in his hand, will take care of us in our tomorrow. Tomorrow, the Bible says it's not guaranteed for anyone. God doesn't guarantee tomorrow to anyone. But as long as we are serving the one that holds our tomorrow, we are well taken care. We are protected. He'll deliver us. Bible insisted. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Luke 12, 28. And if God so close the grass, which is today, when is the grass alive? When is the flower out? Today. So if God closed the grass, which is today, in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he close you, O our little faith? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So as long as today God is having you clothed, why are you worrying about tomorrow? When God is saying, commit your life to me today, I hold you tomorrow. And if you are allowed to come into tomorrow, because God allows us to, know that if I take care of the grass, you are more than grass. I will take care of you. Thank you, Lord. See, I didn't know. I said, Lord, what am I going to share with my brothers and sisters tomorrow? I don't think I have anything in that regard. Last night, Jesus came into my room before my prayer time, staying next to my bed, and began to minister to me. Began to give me strength. Began to prepare me for this message. Because he wanted to say something to someone. Something that they needed to hear. Bible, I didn't know. He is our rabbi. He is our teacher. He is our God. I don't know what I'm going to say tomorrow if I'm going to be around tomorrow. He, he, but he, we know he is around tomorrow. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we worry for the things, for the day that have not even come yet? He doesn't want us to live this way. Today is the day that the Lord has made. David said, I will rejoice in this day. Serve God this day. Repent this day. Commit your life to God today. 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 How many people have gone to sleep and awakened dead? People say, how do you awaken dead? Or have gone to sleep alive and not waking at all the next day? Did those people expect to die that night? No. They were looking forward to the next day. But they probably forgotten one thing. Is my life tonight, today, right now, ready to be going to heaven? If God called me to heaven now, am I ready? Am I ready to answer for myself now and say to God, yes, God, I have served you. I have kept your commitment. I'm here, God. I'm here before you now. And enter to the gate of heaven. Are you ready right now to enter to the gate at this very moment, at this very hour? Is your life ready with him? 
Oh, you need to wait for tomorrow to get ready. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Today is. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, have mercy on us. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Yeshua. Hallelujah. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. Hallelujah. James 4, 13, come now, she that say, today or tomorrow. We will go to such city and continue there a year. But they fell again. Hallelujah. It's a plan that people are making daily. Revise, you know, not what should be on tomorrow. For what it is your life. What is your life? It is even a vapor that appear for a little time and then vanishes away. If you wonder about your life, what it is, it's a vapor. It's a vapor. Hallelujah is your life. That even vapor that appear for a little time and that vanishes away. Instead of ye out to say, if the Lord will, we should live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your boasting. When you think about tomorrow, it's part of pride, he's saying. All such a rejoicing is evil. Therefore, for him that knows how to do good and doesn't know to him is a sin. Hallelujah. Now that you can pray for people today, don't leave it for tomorrow. Get God involved in people's life. My brother insisted. If they reject God, it's on them. People, many people will reject God. But when they find themselves in the great tribulation, they're going to regret, ever regretting, rejecting Christ. My brother insisted. They're going to say, why did I do this? Why did I behave this way? Why did I reject life, salvation, the only opportunity I have to escape evil? They're going to take the mark of the beast in the right hand and afford it. And then when their eyes are open like the rich men in hell, they're going to beg for a little taste of what they have abundance now. The rich men in hell wanted but a little taste of water. Because it's not water in hell. And there are people now that will want a taste of a little taste of pizza, hot dog, water, a little juice, whatever is it, little ice cream. In hell in the lake of fire, they'll never taste ice cream again. They'll never eat a slice of pizza ever again. They'll never taste a sweet potato again. My brother and sister, they never eat a piece of fish again. They never eat a piece of steak again or a chicken leg. They never eat it again in their lives. My brother and sister, they never have a cup of coffee again or a cup of tea or a hot chocolate. They'll never know what these things were anymore. They'll have the memory of it, but they'll never have a cup of it for all eternity. 
Rejecting Christ is rejecting life. He is the water, and he is the spirit. When people reject Christ, they reject the water, the water of the earth to give us food. They reject the spirit that can bring them to heaven. See, when the bride goes, so will go the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that whatever will be, he will also be. The Holy Spirit will be with the church. When the church goes, goes the Holy Spirit. Jesus will go with us and will be with us. Whenever I leave us, and will never forsake us. Remember, I share, I went, I was taken to the great planet by the Lord. It was a billion times bigger than our galaxy. You can take our galaxy and drop it in a lake in that planet. It will be like dropping a marble into, a, into an ocean, into a lake. And then I saw Jesus there walking with redeems. Before that, he showed me brothers and sisters there. Next in front of me, I began to see brothers and sisters that I know here on the earth. It was a vision of what it is to come. God began to show me people that are going to come, that are, that are on the earth. I saw a, a sister there who, who I know she's vaccinated with, a, with Pfizer rising. In the great tribulation, she's going to turn into a beast. But the Lord showed me a vision of her that one day after the great tribulation, God is going to save her. My brother and sister, God is merciful. And show me people there he's going to save. I didn't see much. It was a handful, about 20 or 30 people, no more. But I saw some of those people that already had taken the vaccine. But God knows everything. The devil could not invent nothing new. Everything he had done in the last day, he did it in the times of Noah and in the times of Lot. And so in the times of Noah, the devil corrupted all flesh. Whatever by sin he gave them, he did it again in this generation. Came out with a virus, a deceitful virus to deceive humanity to take a corrupted blood of the devil by sin. Well, he would do the same thing he did in the times of Noah, corrupted all flesh. My brother and sister. And yet again, it repeats itself again, evil will always be evil until the day of judgment will come. And Enoch said that the Lord will come with all his saints in thousands upon thousands. That's Revelation 19, the day of benching of the Lord coming. The end of the seven-year great tribulation. Messiah returned with his army, his church, us. I saw a group of us coming with the Lord dressed like an army, as an army of Christ coming to fight. My brother insisted. The only things that we're going to fight that we don't like are our own children that were made with the bride of Satan's from our body in the middle of the night when we fornicated. Children were made from us. And we're coming down to fight our children that the devil had made an army 
out of the Christians, my brother and sister. When I looked at someone there, he looked just like me. And immediately the Lord let me know, he is your son. The devil used your son. When you sit in the middle of the night and you have those wet dreams, the bride of Satan take that DNA, become pregnant, bring them down to hell, and they have those children. And those children are, the, are for the army of the devil that he's getting ready to fight in the great tribulation against the army of the Lord. My brother and my sisters, there's nothing new under the sun. All these are repetition of what happens in the days of Noah. It's happening again. Jesus said, we'll be so in the coming of the Son of Man. Great repetition, my brother and sister. We need to watch ourselves in our sleep, pray that we fall not into temptation. The flesh is weak, but the Spirit is able. Holy Spirit is strong in us. He's not weak, but we need to learn to submit and commit to the Lord. My brother insisted. We need to watch out what we watch before we go to bed. What do I see before we sleep? So we don't have dirty, sleep, dirty dreams, fornication dreams, and so much more. Filthy dreams, lost dreams. These are the things that can strike the Holy Spirit, grieve the Holy Spirit in us. That Paul says, be given to us until the day of salvation. This is why we worry about the day today. Today is when we worry about our last salvation, our lives. Not what we want to have tomorrow. Thinking about tomorrow will, will keep us sinning. See, the devil wants us to worry about tomorrow. God don't want us to worry about tomorrow. See, if you're not worried about tomorrow, you take care of what God, your business today, tonight, right now. You say, God, I'm sorry. I am so sorry I sin against you and against heaven like David prayed. Today, when the, when the prophet confronted Nathan, confronted David, you have sinned against the Lord. You are that man. Business was, was being taken care of at that very moment. Right there, not tomorrow. What happened, happened. Now, right now is the time to take care of business with God. Right now, I need to ask myself if I'm ready, if I'm repenting, if I'm seeking the Lord. Tomorrow is not guaranteed to anyone. But trusting the Lord, God will guarantee our tomorrow. But now we need to be ready. Always, Jesus said. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome God we serve. What a good God, my brother and sister. God loves us so much. God doesn't want us to perish. He doesn't want us to stay behind. He wants us to be ready for Christ. The bridegroom, hallelujah. If he is coming for a bride that have made herself ready, my brother and sister, being ready, the only one that can make us ready is the Lord, his word cleansing us, his blood purifying us. And that is us getting with him to get us ready. 
Thank you, Lord. Here, Sister Celestia. Well, hey, guys. How are you doing today? Um, so I have another message from Jesus. So, like, time is getting short. Do you guys find yourself just, like, staring at the moon all the time? I'm, like, always taking pictures of the moon. Okay, so um, today is May 6, 2023. I claim that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's also God. He came to earth as a man in the flesh. He died on the cross for us, and he rose on the third day. Ignore the telegram and the WhatsApp people because they're trying to scam you. <clears throat> okay. First he gave me Job 39.6. Whose home I have made the wilderness and the barren land his dwelling. Job 38.5. Who determined its measurements, surely you know, or who stretched the line upon it. First Thessalonians 1.5. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. Ruth 3.11 And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you request, for all the people of my town know that you are a virtuous woman. 1 Timothy 5.6 But she who lives in pleasure is dead while she lives. Hebrews 2.9 But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of the death-crowned, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Okay, here's the message. Lights, my child, lights. Look up. It will be a parade of lights. The bottom has fallen out. Barak falls like lightning. Do you see the symbolism? Deception is here, and he will rise soon. The ball of light has been broken up into particles. The magnetic field draws to the circumference center. Spot on, the eclipse. Geomagnetic storms and meteorites, rocks fall. Wormwood, Chernobyl, water. The water will be contaminated. Canada fresh water, it's new. It will be advertised soon. Don't trust it. Look at who is behind it and who profits from it. I'm trying to save you for what's coming. I love you. Okay. Oh, I love you, and I don't want anyone to perish. Dreams. Let's switch hands. <laughs> dreams. Many have had dreams of two moons. Oh. Oh, sorry, I lost my place. It's coming. The lunar eclipse will reflect off their mirrored image, creating two. A reflection, my child. Remember, I said, is glass a reflection or a mirrored image? Samurai. The samurai sword will conquer the martyrs. My new witnesses. So it's like he's flipping back and forth, you know, from the rapture to left behind. Because he's talking to three different people, you know, the um, the unbelievers, the believers, and the um, Jews. <clears throat> Just keep that in mind. Okay, the, my new witnesses. The sky is going to get hazy. It will look like a mysterious fog covering the moon. When you see red skies and a foggy haze over the moon, look up. When you see two moons reflecting over the mirrored image, look up. Time is short. It will be a normal day. It will feel peaceful. Then sudden destruction will fall on the whole world. I am a fisherman of men. I am dropping the net and pulling you in. Do you have faith, child? Do you believe in me? Do you believe I died on the cross for you to save you from your sins? 
Darkness will fall. The moon will turn black. It will take place after I take my chosen ones. Stay inside and pray to me without ceasing. You will be safe if you stay inside and pray. The earth shifts and you will feel a major shaking. Volcanoes will erupt. Tidal waves will form. The tsunami in the Gulf, Mexico and the Caribbean. I'm calling my sheep home. Return to me. Believe in me with all your heart and I will save you. You are my prize. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. My calendar, have you figured it out yet? The dial turns back clockwise. The moon at her feet crashed into Aries and the constellation is upside down. The fiery dart or the fiery dart makes the flower bloom its soon. Your redemption draws nigh. Jupiter in position, Ophicus at the three. Warnings are final. I love you, my child. You are saved by my grace. Believe in me and rejoice with me at my wedding feast. I am your Lord God and I have spoken. Then he gave me Jude 1 7. As Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them in a similar manner to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Joel 2.11 The Lord gives voice before his army, for his camp is very great. For strong is the one who executes his word. For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Revelation 8.4 And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels' hands. Jeremiah 9, 6. Your dwelling place is in the midst of deceit. Through deceit they refuse to know me, says the Lord. Ezekiel 21, 2. Son of man, set your face towards Jerusalem. Preach against the holy places and prophesy against the land of Israel. Daniel 11, 2. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth shall be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. Ecclesiastes 5.9 Moreover, the prophet of the land is for all. Even the king is served from the field. Okay, and here's the message. Seven, my child, seven, my door is closing. Seven trumpets, seven earthquakes. The lockdowns, Marshall. Oh, I think I was supposed to say sevenfold earthquakes. I just heard that. Sorry. The lockdowns, martial law, it's all coming. Once the trumpet sounds, the whole world will change. It's time to choose your side. I love you. Believe in me. Trust in me. Lay down your worldly idols. Stop listening to false teachers. Test all spirits. The dawn is breaking. Look up. Keep looking at the moon. Redemption draws nigh. I am your Adonai, your true Messiah, your teacher, your father, your friend, and I have spoken. Then he gave me 1 Thessalonians 2.8. <clears throat> so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. Malachi 1.9. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hands. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts. Psalm 148. Who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of waters? Zephaniah 3.7. I said, surely you will fear me. You will receive instruction so that her dwelling would not be cut off. 
despite everything for which I punished her, but they rose early and corrupted all their deeds. Luke 1, 6, And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. John 7, 6-8, Then Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that it works are evil. You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time is not yet fully come. 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Okay, guys, so if you don't know Jesus, trust in him, believe in him with all your heart, and he will save you. He loves you. And, you know, guys, a lot of the messages he's been giving me since December 30th, I think it's patterns. So sometimes he'll say um, almost like it's happening right there in that moment. And then sometimes it's like future. But I think sometimes even when he says it's happening in that moment, it's for a future message. So I'm not sure yet. He hasn't revealed. He said Perm and Passover is here. But then he also said after that, um, I can't wait to redeem my people. It's coming soon. So I don't know if he's saying Perm and Passover is here now um, and then he's coming soon, or if he's saying that Purim and Passover is coming soon and he's going to redeem his people. Not sure yet. So I just listen to what he says and I just say what he says and, you know, I don't, we prophesy in part, so I don't always get what he says, you know, just unless he reveals it to me. So anyway, um, I guess, you know, just, I know time is short, um, Keep looking up every day for Jesus. He loves you. You know, just believe in him as your faith and his grace, and he'll save you. Okay, guys, you have a blessed day. Hello again, and welcome to the Master's Voice. I'm Celestial, and you are welcome to this channel. To old and new subscribers alike, you are very welcome. Please look in the description box. That should be one of the first places you look. You can always pause the video and look in the description box to see... The short synopsis of each video, you can find the blog address down there. It's www.the-masters-voice.com. I strongly recommend whether you're an old subscriber, new subscriber, always refer to the blog because the blog is the pivotal center and core of the Master's Voice Prophecy Blog YouTube channel. The videos are also available on BitChute, Rumble, and Brighteon, and on BitChute and Brighteon is where you can find playlists for videos that are no longer hosted here, videos about so-called controversial subjects that were covered in 2020, and God protected those videos here for almost a year until they had to be removed, and he said that the time for their usefulness, basically the time when I was strongly led by the Holy Spirit and strongly directed by God to warn about certain things that were going on in 2020, I was making those kinds of videos very, very often because the Lord kept giving words of remonstration, words of rebuke, words of warning. But those videos can no longer be found here, but you can find them on the alternate channels where I also have information there that will be a blessing to you. And what else? If you are a new subscriber, there are a few things you need to understand. Uh, there has been at the Lord's instruction, a change in the way that I will be making these videos. The Father has said that because he extended a plate of mercy, he extended a plate of goodness, he extended a plate of kindness, 
by choosing someone in this generation to bring his words to his people. And those words were brought, I must say, with my whole, with my whole heart. And I would take the time. Anyone who has been watching from the beginning will see that I would take the time. The scriptures that were given to me, I did not just come and read them and just drop them like a hot potato. But I would take the time. I would go through the scriptures. I would show how the scriptures lead in and out and things like that. But the Lord observed over time that those things were not appreciated. Instead of being received, those things were rebuked. Those things were called false. And so many people have felt that it is a pity that the righteous should suffer with the wicked, but I have always tried to warn the righteous. And this today's prophecy is a very useful wake-up call for people who truly love God. You may truly love God, But you need to understand what is ahead for the true God lovers. You need to understand what is ahead for the true God followers. So the Lord has instructed me not to spend so much time going in depth in scriptures and melding them with teaching and melding them with the prophecies and everything like that. Because he says those things are not appreciated. It is basically like trying to feed five-star food to a larger contingent that continues to call five-star food slop and lies and of a demonic origin and it is lamentable but that is that is the current situation and so um it has to be understood that god also cares about me god cares about me i'm not just a disposable thing to him god cares about me as a person god cares about me as a child god cares about me as a worker who is wholeheartedly committed to this work and so um That is just the way things are. Today's prophecy is about, oh yes, so if you are a new subscriber, you will simply have to do the work yourself. That is what I was trying to say. You will have to be a good Berean. If you have questions or concerns, you will have to understand that you have come to an end times prophecy blog, and so you cannot expect lightness and fluff here. The people who have gathered here are not gathered here because they are Celestial's fan. They are gathered here because they want to hear the real-time, end-times word of the true and living God without fluff and without pretending and without having to tiptoe around the various sensitivities that people have. They're incredible different types of people from all walks of life, all levels of education, all ethnic backgrounds that come to this one channel and they are coming to feed on one truth that comes from God. So to think that the channel must ye and haw to cater to how this group feels and how that other group feels that the word of God should be delivered and things like that. People complaining, the prophecies are too graphic and yet you have to ask yourself, the prophecies are too graphic for you, perhaps a grown man, and yet you won't take your logic one step further to ask, but wait, the Holy Spirit has come to a woman and revealed without a filter certain things that go on in the underbelly of society that I as a grown man or I as an older woman or even I as a 19-year-old did not know was happening. If God did not restrain himself to show these things to a woman, why am I so offended when the woman then brings out exactly what she has seen and heard and being told, be mindful to tell them all that I have said and shown you. So new subscribers, you will simply have to, I don't know, you will simply have to make up the slack. There are 475 prophetic words on the master's voice. This is my offering to Jesus, 475, 
and I still have some that I'm going through. I haven't made all the videos on the blog. I will not do all of them, but there are quite a few that still need to be done. And so you will need to do the work. You will need to make the investment of time. If you have a question and you want to know, well, why haven't you prophesied about this? I don't prophesy according to what, what people ask for. I prophesy according to the word God puts in my mouth and tells me, make this video today. And today, this word is a reminder to all faithful people. And I think it will be good for us because if you're honest, I have always told you that you will need strength above the strength that you think that you have stored up. The Lord has been showing me a certain type of thing for the last three or four nights. And by his mercy, I think it is his mercy. I cannot remember in detail the things that I am seeing, but I always wake up with the knowledge of what it was. And it is that terribly powerful spiritual changes, spiritual shifts, are coming into the earth, that if even the elect are not careful, these things will pierce the armor. If you are wearing your armor loosely, if you are wearing your armor wrongly, if you are not wearing your spiritual armor at all, the kinds of spirits and the kinds of influences that are coming into the world will just blow you out of your lane, will blow you away from following the Lord, and you will or may be a victim of the kinds of, I'll just call them urges. For humans, they will be urges. They will be compulsions. A person will feel as if they're being compelled into a lifestyle. And because we are now a generation that feels more than it thinks, a generation that thinks that everything it feels is legitimate. So every feeling you have, because we are so oversensitive and because we are so seeker sensitive and because we are so easily offended now and we always think that the platform of what we feel and what we think and how we perceive information must be right, it cannot be corrected, then we will just fall prey to, the, to those warped perceptions and it is only, trust me, it is only those who continuously go into the field of their Christianity and work and work and work and hoe and put down good seeds, good roots, who will be able to cry out to Jesus and say, Lord, preserve me in the earth when these things are basically sweeping others away. And so today's prophecy is called the end of the age. There were two prophecies like this. One of them was called the end of the age, hybrids, and this one is called The End of the Age, The Great Falling Away. I received this prophecy January 19, 2022, and the image I found is so telling. It is a cross on fire that is being doused in water, and the light of the cross and the fire of the cross is going out. And the Lord told me when I saw that image, the light and the fire of the cross will be greatly put out. And that is a terrible state of affairs because the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to be a light in the earth. We are supposed to be salt. We are supposed to be light. We are supposed to be a city on a hill. But God has always said that the people who think that they are rooted so strongly in Christianity will flee out of Christianity. They will make Apostle Peter, who denied Jesus three times, look like an altar boy with how fast they will deny the Lord. 
And so the two banished scriptures are, Now the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And this is 1 Timothy 4 and 1. And the other banner scripture is this, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. And this is Hebrews 3 and 12. But there is one more scripture that I have to read here. Let me just balance. And it is 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 and 4. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so the great falling away is basically understood in Christianity as a time, a period, a lamentable um the Lord said that it will be a global event. It will be a worldwide event. And the way he referred to it in this prophecy is like it will almost happen by a switch. As if a switch is pulled, the way you put the lights on and then there's a shift from darkness to light or you switch them off and then there's a shift from light to darkness. The great falling away will be so sudden, but it will also be unmistakable and it will take true Christians by surprise and it has been happening in dribs and drabs as we have been seeing people who become disillusioned with Christianity, people who feel that, you know, they, they were sold a scam, they were sold a lie in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm sure that we have all seen the so-called blogs and the so-called articles coming out from so-called men of God, pastors of 15 years, 16 years, worship leaders who have been leading for 19 years and sometimes longer who suddenly have done what looks like an inexplicable pivot. So one, mi one minute we'd see this person standing with their hands up and they're leading song after song after song and they become quite a prolific worship leader. They become well-known in the so-called culture. And then you wake up one morning and it's a trending story and this person is using language that by now we should be used to, such as, I don't believe that a loving God, this is God's chief fake identity, the loving God identity. Not that he is not loving. God is great love. I'm smiling because I know how loving this person is, and many of you do too. But this loving God persona has been used to limit God and turn him into a teddy bear, whereas he is only allowed to have one emotion, he is only allowed to be the loving God. Whenever someone tries to mention that God is actually a God of holiness, then it's you're judging me, and God wouldn't judge me the way you're judging me. If you mention that God is a God of righteousness, that God actually expects us to be seeds of his planting that grow up into trees that eventually give birth to good fruit that a person can pick and chew and say, yes, this is definitely coming off the life of the Holy Spirit in this person. When I eat this fruit, I taste Jesus Christ. I taste life coming back into my tired or weary or stressed out body. 
People don't want to hear that God is a God who expects righteousness to come out of people who claim that they are his. God is the loving God. And so we wake up and we see these controversies all over the place. We've been seeing them for years. At least I certainly have a furor, a storm. Someone who's been following God is simply, and they're trending because the world loves to see Christianity fall on its face. The world loves to see the pastors coming out in handcuffs for sleeping with 16-year-old boys. The world loves to see the church shamed. And that's because the spirit in the world is anti-Christ against the Lord Jesus Christ, hates him, hates his lordship, will not ever want to see themselves this is a spirit in the world as subordinate to God or submitted to God. And so basically loves to see us, the church, the living representation of God, fall flat on our faces. And the bigger the transgression, the more heinous the sin that leaders and top, top faces or top names in Christianity commit, the happier the spirit of Antichrist is to cause those headlines to trend and to cause it to be said, look, another one of them has lost their faith. Look, another one of them is questioning their God. And so you will see these people saying that I just don't believe that a loving God would just put a whole bunch of people in hell. There was a man like that who had quite a prolific church. And then because his son switched to the alternative lifestyle, he began to say that he could no longer reconcile the words that were printed before both him and his son were born with the loving God. This man began to disavow the truth of hell. Notice I didn't say the principle of hell, for hell is not a principle. It is a real realm to which disobedient souls who deny God, defy God, and try to reason that there is no God, will go. It doesn't matter if you believe in hell. Hell believes in you. It is as real as the eternal rest that we will share with the Lord in heaven. And so people will say that all of a sudden the Bible is not true. This is what 1 Timothy is calling and will turn aside to deception and the doctrines of demons. Because darkness becomes planted in the hearts of people, they choose the darkness because of hubris, mountainous, towering, insurmountable pride. And they do that because God allows them to settle into darkness. The Lord can actually allow you to enter a realm where the lights are switched off upstairs. You're walking around and you're having conversations with people, but your speech can prove you to be one in which there is no light. The rivers of living water have been turned off and you are a desert on the inside and your words will expose you and the trained ear can hear you that you are deceived and the lights are off. And the Bible then says it is very hard to renew such people back to repentance. Here, let me read it for you. And then have fallen away. This is Hebrews 6 and 6. And then have fallen away, speaking to those who will be given over to have the lights switched off. It is impossible to renew them again to repentance, since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God, and put him to an open shame. So here's the estimation. 
of the Lord speaking through Apostle Paul and saying that when people have fallen away, this is like I speak, I speak often of the wallpaper analogy. Here's the wall and the wallpaper, when it's new, you stick it and then you press it on with that metal thing. I don't know what it's called, but the metal thing that puts wallpaper on very well, it is very sticky and it adheres to the wall. But Paul is now saying that there is the reality that some lose their adhesiveness. They lose their stickiness. They become loosened from the wall somehow and they begin to peel off. And we've all seen wallpaper that peels off and then can drop off. When the wallpaper peels away, is it the fault of the wall which has remained constant and steady? Praise Jesus. Or is it the fault of the wallpaper that has lost its stickiness? And does Matthew not tell us that this wallpaper that can no longer stick and fall away is exactly like the salt that is no longer salty and has lost its saltiness? And the only use for unsalty salt is to be thrown out, the Bible says, and trampled underfoot by men. So there are those who will fall away, and it says that when they fall away, it is impossible to come and take this no longer sticky wallpaper and stick it back. It is impossible to renew them to repentance, meaning that these people, you can preach to them in three lifetimes, and they will keep giving excuses, and they will keep trying to refute, and they will keep trying to argue out of the darkness of the futility that they have been allowed to slip into by God who can see them becoming unsticky and resisting any attempt to make them cleave back to him until they fall away. He says that it's impossible to bring them to a point where they repent of what they have done and they will come back to Jesus. He says in order for this to happen, you would have to crucify Jesus a second time. And we all know that Jesus is not going to be crucified a second time because he was very clear when he finished his assignment. He said, it is finished. Basically translated, I'm not doing this again. The work was done. It was whole. It was complete. It was perfect. And all who come to the cross must cleave and stay cleaved. And that is how we know that there is no such thing as once saved, always saved, because you can indeed fall away. And to fall away, you must have been sticking in the first place. And so in speaking with the Lord about the kind of messages that I receive, he was telling me that your messages actually go far into the future. And that is one of the things that God says makes this channel and makes the truth that is spoken here such an offense because he was telling me, you see, Celestial, because of the nature of the word that I give you, it doesn't leave any room for a side or a co-pilot theology. God was telling me that the kinds of messages he gives me are so final and so emphatic that everyone is confronted with a choice. And I was surprised to see that even a year ago in January of 2022, he told me the same thing and I wrote it here, that you are speaking and writing for the future. And so when you come to these prophecies, they leave you no choice. They force you to confront your theology. They force you to confront what you believe and they force you to choose. 
You either choose the version of Christianity that you have or you have to abandon it all together and begin to relearn within the context of the scripture that God gives here and the things that he says will come. It is either you cling with your brand or the brand that he has here. But the two of them will never coexist. If you try to take these prophetic messages and the way the Bible is taught here and fit it into what you think, you will always come to befuddlement. You will always come to confusion. Unless you have the same similar pure brand of faith, then you can effortlessly fit, even if he's teaching about Nephilim and sons of God and things that are being kept under the mountain, you will find the place that it goes into the truth you already have. And you will say, for instance, these dreams I had, they make sense. These things that I used to, 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 to see in the visions, they make sense. When I listen here, I am able to slot my own experiences and they fill in the gaps for me. And so he was speaking about this and saying that the final times where there will be a falling away will be exactly like this. And God says that we will come to a time where you will not have the benefit of a pastor. You will not have the benefit of exhortation. You will not have the benefit of anybody telling you anything. You will be at the mercy of what you know, what you think, what you believe, and how well you have been taught or otherwise. And to those who are confident and strong in their faith, You've been in the faith 15 years and you have not wasted your 15 years. You have nothing to fear. But for those who are just coming to the kingdom six months, a year, one and a half months, or something like that, or even those who are 40 years in the church and yet it was oatmeal, it was Kool-Aid, it was milk, it was lies, it was God is love, love, love theology, you are just like someone who got born again last week. Your edifice is made of snow and juice. And you have actually no firm foundation under your feet. And that means that you can't afford to be slack in these times. God says there will be no good teaching. There will be no good edification. You will look for it and you will not find it. And that is why some people are so stuck in trying to find a church. Because you go into the church and they're in there with their $1,000 watches or they're in there with just a normal watch. But before the sermon can even get going, you hear this. You know, I, I, I just believe that I, I believe I be, you have left home and maybe driven five or six or ten miles to a house of God, and then the pastor is going to use up your precious time remaining on this earth to tell you his beliefs, because scripture is not enough. It is not enough to cut up the scripture and feed you and your wife and your three children. He wants to feed you his beliefs. As if your end times faith, your ability to sustain in the great tests that are coming, are going to stand when the enemy is loosing those fiery darts one after another. When you lift up the shield of faith, do you think it's going to be the pastor's I believe that will sustain you? When there are warfare battles to be fought in the spirit, when the, when the serpent is after your child, when the devil is after you, when you can't f seem to find any progressive any progressive help in your life. You can't seem to win at work. You can't seem to win in your family. You can't seem to win in your marriage. Are you really going to open your mouth and say, in the, in the name of the God of the pastor, if you do not have a strong and rooted relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, or at least a commitment to strengthen and root what you do have so that it does not collapse 
like the house that is built on the sand so that it does not get blown away. Is it the pastor's I believe teaching that is going to sustain you? God says that we are living in the era of a timed offer. You do not have all day to make a decision for Jesus Christ. You do not have all day to be in fornication and emailing me about, well, is it, is it really a man and a woman? Can we decide in our hearts that we are a couple? And I just think to myself, can I decide in my heart that I own a BMW? Can I just walk into the BMW and just say, you know, I'm making a decision in my heart that I'm a BMW owner, and so I'd like a pair of keys to be put in my hand. What is, what is happening in the church today? What is going on in the minds of people? This is evidence of delusion already rooting because people don't want to depart from sin. People don't want to say no to their desires. And this is the root of how you fall away. This is the seed of the serpent inside people. The poisoned fruits evidenced in human nature that God cannot be sovereign People truly think that God needs a co-pilot. People truly think that God needs their buy-in, that God is listening for their, for their opinion, that God wants to hear back from them about his rules. Is there a caveat? Is there a second way, Celestial? Well, is, is there an exit ramp for me, Celestial? And I am astounded by these things because you do not know that you are abiding under the Lord's wrath. In studying for this thing today, the Lord was showing me, I think it's in Psalm 95, and I will read it, where he said that he was angry with Moses' generation for 40 years, and I was astounded at this. I said, look at how long God can hold resentment in his heart towards a people because they are hardened and they will not repent. And yet when the Lord sends me here to bring prophecies, to say that he is still nursing grievances against America for certain sins, then people want to say, well, why is he holding the offense so long? Imagine. Our Lord cannot die or pass away, but people feel that there's a timer on sin, that when the people who commit the sin die, then the sin cannot be imputed to anyone. And yet they live in a world where if they have an elderly mother or father who dies in debt, the debtor can come after the children's assets. They respect this principle in the world of finance, but then they find it impossible to respect in spiritual matters. God is saying that we are in the time of a timed offer. You do not have all day to stop the sin. You do not have all day to clean up. You do not have all day to repent. And if you continue, wrath can abide on you and take you away in that condition. And many people will refuse this grace offer that God has given because they have improperly learned grace. They think that grace is God's endless capacity to absorb, to absorb their dirt. God is the Swiffer mop jet. They, they sin, and then it's God's job to come and look at that with one wipe. That's God's role. They don't believe that it's about graduating from oatmeal and milk into strength, into practicing one of the greatest gifts that God has given us in Galatians chapter 5. I think it's verse 23. 
one of the greatest fruits of the spirit, which is self-control. Self-control is the mark of the matured man. I don't care how good she looks. I'm married and I'm not going to entertain this flirtatious conversation from her any longer. In fact, I've made up my mind. If she tries it again, I will give her a rebuke. I don't care if she's angry, and I don't care if she goes to HR and says that Harold spoke to me sharply. I will say Melanie is always speaking to me with the tongue of a serpent, and it makes me uncomfortable. I am a man, and actually I want to file a grievance report. She, re- she filed a report against me and said that I spoke to her sharply. I want to counterfile a report and say that I feel sexually harassed in the workplace by this woman who knows that I am married and I have a ring of covenant on my finger, and she constantly comes to my desk with her blouse slightly unbuttoned and I feel uncomfortable. Where is the self-control to draw the line? To say that if I'm not married to her, I'm not taking my pants off. This is some of the stuff that God was saying to me before I began this. Do they know that when they fornicate, their countenance is twisted before me? We're in America. Everyone has seen at least one Disney movie. Have you seen a single Disney villain that looks good? Have you seen a single Disney villain that doesn't have a hideous face? Do you want it on your record that simply because your flesh is hot, your, your countenance is disfigured? He was telling me, they don't know. No matter how handsome you are, no matter how much of a vixen you think you are, you look like a twisted wolf hybrid before God because you will not bridle your flesh. Because whoever DMs you, you're diving into those private messages to find out when and where and how and how frequently can we hook this up. Imagine trading your seat at the wedding supper because you have no self-control. You want to invest in the earthly realm instead of investing in the spirit. You want to take part in carnal things that are for a moment instead of sowing seeds of righteousness that will become jewels in the crown that you will one day have the gift, the privilege, the pleasure of taking off this crown and throwing it at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is people today. These are the conversations that people who call themselves children of God, if God does not have this kind of room to speak this kind of truth into your life, you are deceiving yourself. You are deceived. If you are in the presence of God and all you're getting back is, oh, my gentle flower, you are lying to yourself. Because true Christians, when they get in the presence of God, this is the sound that comes out. Shing, 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 iron on iron. Even if you are the dullest iron, the Bible says that the words of God, they make wise those who are simple. When you're simple, you are making foolish choices that are not going into the right bank account. They're not going into the bank account of your spirit. They're going into the bank account that will overflow with violence when God gets ready to deal with you for recalcitrance. Recalcitrance is when you tell your toddler 20 times, don't throw that on the floor, and 21 times. This is 20 times you said don't do it, and then they throw it one good extra time to show you who actually pays the rent in that house, them, not you. That is recalcitrance. 
Recalcitrance is hearing the voice of God and then deciding that you've got something better to do and you you actually want to follow the path of iniquity all the way down to the little house at the end, which is usually a house that when you open the door and step in, it says rest in peace. Shock and surprise. Your tombstone is usually waiting in there. Refusing to turn back the foot from evil. It is a timed offer. Written here, God will not call us forever. He will not strive with flesh. Always the time of grace will end. His faithful voice calling the whole world to be saved will go silent one day. And that includes what he was telling me. I think it's from the book of Jeremiah where he said, I will make your tongue. This is from Ezekiel, actually. It's Ezekiel 12 where he said, I will make your tongue cleave to the roof of your mouth and you shall not warn them anymore. What a horrible day. What a horrible day. The day you look for this channel and you cannot find it because YouTube has had enough. What a horrible day when God leaves you in the hands of the recycled lies that have grown so popular in the American Christian church. What a hideous day when you seek the word of God the true word of God that goes shing, shing, the flint against iron, sharpening it to be able to stand in the day of calamity, lies, the kind of supernatural deceptions that are coming, the kind of spiritual demon, demonic powers that will be released in the earth. And you have not been sharpened. It's been all my gentle lamb. And my delicate flower. And these are just the confusions of your mind. Because in his heart, what Jesus would, would have been saying is, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. How I wanted to gather you, America, America. And put you under my wings. But you would not. I would have fed you with milk and with honey. But you refused. And so... Your nation is left to you desolate. The lies you embraced, the delusions you were full of, the doctrines of demons that you were clicking, clicking, clicking on all the little blogs, they built up inside you a wellspring of iniquity. And from that well, you will drink until your hearts fail you. The heart of God loves his people so much and he warns because he loves. But when the Lord warns, his warnings are called doom and gloom. Unwanted and unfriendly interruption into the picnic of America's social club Christianity. And here we are. The nations are modeling the false gospel. And perhaps those of them who have found this channel are shocked to find that of all the types of Christianity practice everywhere in the world this here in the united states is the most reprobate apostate yeast mingled bunch of lies that have carried all but a tiny few astray making them ready wallpaper that will peel away and yet this is a people that feel that they're just two and a half steps at best one and a half steps from a great outbreak of revival, defiled with sin, the land heavy with iniquity, soaked with blood, 
and yet they feel that on this soil that is crying out for justice, revival is going to break out and they don't even need to repent because what could they possibly be guilty of? We are good people here after all. God has sent a word, a sword to shave off the fat and to prepare the faithful for the times. I am telling you people of God, the Lord has always told me, Celestial, you will bear it first for that is the way of the Lord. That is God's blueprint. I've never seen a happy prophetic messenger in the scripture. I never saw one that seemed to be all bright and zippy. They were miserable people for several reasons. But he says that after you bear it, because you are going ahead, you are being a vanguard, you are speaking the truth into the earth. So it's like there's a huge jungle and someone has to go in front with that machete sweating in the hot sun, cutting out just a path for one person. Please listen, because none of this is part of what is written down here for the prophecy. I will simply have to upload the prophecy in a separate video. This will be part one. The path I am cutting is not a broad path. It is not a highway. The path that I am cutting, I already know it separates husbands and wives. I already know this because some of them confess it. My husband hates you. My wife detests the sound of your voice. She will not tolerate me to play the videos in your house. I'm hacking a one-man-wide path. That's as wide as these thin arms can manage to hack through this jungle of disbelief and pride that we have here in America. I'm hacking it for myself to pass through. And whoever is coming behind, you are not following me. You are following the God that I am following through this jungle. The path is one deep. You might be the only person in your family who actually believes the things that are said here. That means that when it goes dark, as God says it will, please excuse me. When it goes dark, you might be the only person in the house, whether it's physical darkness, spiritual darkness, worldwide darkness. You might be the only person in the house because you stayed on that thin jungle path, who was prepared, who will not be taken by surprise, who will say, I think it was that prophecy, the one from June 2022. I think it was the one that she did in October, because what's happening on TV now is exactly what's happening here. The Lord says we will see all these prophecies. He said the TV will let America know what this channel was always warning about. And Jesus himself said that he came to bring a sword to set the mother against her own daughter and the father against his own son. A times offer. God will not always be there. The door will not always be open. The ark will not always be open. So when he brings those in who are coming in, there will come a time, y'all will shut the door. And then those who are outside will become weathermen because that's what happened in Noah's day. He shut the ark, and then all the people who mocked and scoffed and said, who ever heard of rain? They became weathermen. They got to investigate rain in depth and in full until the depth and the fullness of the rain finished them off. 
the great falling away, the inability to have, and the good years, when the sun was up, when you still had Wi-Fi and a little time to listen to the truth, that was when you were supposed to be working in the field to strengthen your faith, to strengthen the faith of your best friend, to strengthen the faith of your wife, your mother who refuses to listen to you, your best friend or your husband who just thinks, well, this is a little too much. I don't see where it fits in two days time frame because Jesus is coming back. Doctrines of devils. America believes. I've now heard the brand new statement. Do you think that Jesus will beat up his bride before he comes back? Imagine. The Islamic terrorists are setting the Nigerian believers on fire, putting bombs on their buses and burning them to a crisp. And the pictures of their bodies are available, frozen in attitudes of great pain as they've lost their life. China persecutes the church. Islamic nations persecutes the church. None of them says that Jesus is beating them up as their bride because they are matured people who have been forced to chew meat. In persecuted countries, you are forced to chew spiritual meat from the very day you get born again. You follow Jesus and the pastor is already letting you know in sermon number one, well, they put Brother Ying and Brother Ken to death last week, but we prayed for their souls. And we know that the king shall receive them on the last day because they did not deny him to the end of the 50-day starvation diet that the government put them on. Imagine. These people know that Jesus is not beating up their bride, but in America we proliferate lies straight from the pits of hell. And then you can see, you can tell just how trendy the lie is. By how many Facebook pages have it, Jesus will not beat up his bride. Imagine the testing of the church, the purging of the church, the rise of the marchers according to the fifth seal that is written in Jesus' history book. America's church says that Jesus would never beat up his bride, but he will come to gather them up in their filth, in their deception, in their milk doctrine, and scoot them off to the wedding supper untested, unpurged, unsanctified, God is not interested in opening America's mystery secret box to see what is in the heart of her Christians. No, he is assured of group, group righteousness, and we're already ready to go. I think it's Galatians. Apostle Paul saying, who fooled you? How fooled? Are you that you started off so well and are now this deceived? What an apt and perfect question for this nation at this time. Who, a nation that does not know that we are going to be the biggest history lesson that was ever taught. That when the other nations see what will happen here, they will have Instant turnaround when they see what happens here. And the Lord has already said that the punishment, the grievance upon the hearts of those who manage to survive, those who manage to flee, those that he will carry away to safety. He said even those people, the punishment upon their backs 
will be to constantly have foreigners asking them, what happened over there? What did you guys do for God to allow this much punishment upon you from every conceivable angle at the same time? And he said, that the burden upon the hearts of America will be to constantly have to speak of their sin in detail to foreigners to explain to them that this is what came upon us. This is what became of the empress, the queen, who sits as a queen and shall never see dark days, humbled low to the dirt, the great falling away, people who never built faith in the good years, and then when the dark years came, like it did in Pharaoh's day, they had stored up no grain whatsoever to survive. This man of perdition in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, let no one fool you, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin be revealed. The man who will arise in this nation as God has revealed and will chop down Christians in this country. His tentacles may go abroad to consolidate power and work with the ten kings who will give their authority to this beast that God says the seat of the beast will be here in the United States. Great Britain was once a conquering nation. She went all over the world. The Commonwealth of the United Kingdom is so vast to this day, but there was only one seat where the kings and queens, the regents of times past, sat, and that's over there in the UK. India was not the seat of the British Empire. Australia was not the seat of the British Empire. All the African countries that she took over, like Zimbabwe and other places, they were not the seat. The seat was over in Europe. Her influence extended, but the seat was where the queen always sat doing this. The man of perdition will sit in the nation, and the Lord says that the falling away comes first and meaning that this was a congruence of events. And it is not surprising to understand biblical scripture. If something is going to happen and, then you can easily understand why people will fall away from Christianity. What a terrible realization to realize that Jesus is not coming for you before you see the man of sin rise. How shocking and horrible to realize that you're not going to any wedding supper until the man of sin arises, the son of perdition, who will oppose and exalt himself. It says, above all that is, above all that is called God. If what is called God, this is the priesthood, the Levites who are supposed to be teaching and watching, washing us with the word now, but they are dirtying their robes with their fornications, their lusts, and their hunger to go after the church purse, and their hunger for child flesh. And then they dirty the robes of the people by association. Tell us more, for, more false prophet. 
We know you missed it the first 15 times, but we will still tune into these podcasts because we believe in a 16th chance. The Levites are dirty, the priests are dirty, the people are dirty, and yet the Bible is saying that this man will arise and exalt himself and oppose all that is called God. Basically, the church of Jesus Christ in the earth, this man will rise and fight us and cut us down to what God has revealed on this channel will be a bare minimum. So America will discover that seat means centralized power of, and America will discover that Jesus Christ does not share her opinion that purging and refining, and as Daniel says, many shall be made white. That is, you will get your marcher robe and leave this earth. Sanctification, faith will be tested almost to breaking point and then some. What a shock to realize that you have lived and come to the time where Jesus does not consider his church going through these things as beating her up. He considers it sanctification. This is Celestial with the Master's Voice. I will make a second video and that will be the prophecy, but I believe that the word of God has been delivered here for somebody. God does not let these words fall to the ground. These words are meant to edify and fortify people, but they're also meant to shake people out of the very real drunken stupor that many of them live in. In this country, and please listen around the world, because God says the falling away shall be global. He said it will be a worldwide event. In the written prophecy, he said, Celestial, you will see it will be like the flicking off of a light. So instead of waking up and seeing one worship leader or one man who wrote great books that shaped a generation, suddenly saying, I regret those books. I was wrong and I didn't have the full mind of God. I don't believe that God would treat people that way disavowing great teaching that they did in the past because now the culture has changed and the culture doesn't want to be told to be holy. The culture doesn't want to be told that sex is for after marriage and that even if you are shacking up now and you have children, if you don't get to the registry office and make it right in the sight of God, then you are children of fornication, no matter how you want to see it. You are in fornication and you are a child of disobedience, and the wrath of God is abiding upon you and your twisted countenance that he looks on and says, you look nothing like me. You don't reflect my face and my glory at all. You are defiled, and you continue in the defilement. You are convicted when you hear the word of God, but that conviction is not enough to propel you into action, to repentance, Repentance is where you make it right. I've said this so many times. It is not enough to be pricked. Anyone can be pierced by the word of God. Anyone can be confronted and say, this is me. This is me that she's talking to. I feel somehow. But most people, because we are a feeling, sensing, carnal generation now, no matter where you are listening to, if these words are for you and you take these words and you throw them outside in the trash, be it unto you. Be it unto you.
We're sensitive now. We, we want to feel. We want to feel our way through Christianity. We don't want the spirit to lead us. We want the flesh to test all things because that's what the Bible says. Test all things and hold on to what is flesh. So we can be pricked. We can be uncomfortable in the presence of truth. But those who are not perishing, those who are being renewed daily unto life, they go a step further. They're like the people in the book of Acts. They cried out to Apostle Peter when they heard the word. They were pierced to the heart. And then they say, what must we do to be saved? And he told them, repent of your sins and be baptized. And then in that same passage, it says, and 3,000 people were added to the church that day. That means 3,000 people were cut and asked, what should we do? And they were told, repent Stop doing what you are doing. Put it away from you. Cast it away. Cast the people who lead you to do it. Cut them off. Delete their numbers. Stop going to where they are and then saying, I know it's sin, but then I'm there and I think I'm winning some of them because my presence, who do you think you are? How much anointing do you really think you're full of? You're in the sin. You're with the sinners. You're complete. You are the living epitome of Psalm 1 verse 1. The man who is not blessed because he is standing in the way of the sinners. He is hanging out in the path of the scornful. He's sitting with mockers. He's following the ungodly advice. But then you believe that you are just bursting forth with some kind of light. And I think I'm doing some good. You are deceived. They're in sin. You are in sin. And basically the Bible, all it just basically says, do not be fooled. Bad company will corrupt good morals. This doesn't mean isolate yourself and go sit in the house. We are called to be salt and light. But if you have a problem, what are you doing in the place where the problem is being impacted back to you? You're with people who have the similar problem and then you want to witness to them you have the same problem. How does this work? Can one with leprosy go and say, I'm healing the lepers? No. It is the clean who transfer that cleaning to those with the leprosy. That's why Apostle Paul said, well, there were those in this sin and that in this sin, and so were some of you. The word were means that you were like this. You put it off. But people get convicted, but they're reluctant to let go of the momentary comfort of the sin. So the conviction is not, it does not give birth to full-grown repentance. They will not stop the sin. They will not say, I have offended God, but I'm going to make it right. People would rather make it right with their girlfriend, with their best friend, and with their boss. If the countenance of their boss shifts, they're like, I'm going to do better next quarter. I'm going to show this guy that he didn't make a mistake hiring me. Imagine you're motivated to get the approval of a human being. But the person who has told you in my father's house, there are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You don't care about actually attaining to that place. You want to be an academic genius here on earth and discuss, well, is this really sin? Is there really hell? Would this loving God do this and do that? And all the time, the Lord is watching the motives of the heart. Imagine holding back God's apology because you want to make sure if he's really mad and does he really deserve your sorry 
It is an interesting time that we live in. Truly interesting. Those who are holy will continue to be made holy. And those who are made, those who are filthy will continue to stay filthy. And thus will come this great separation, this great divide where it will not be like any action movie we have ever seen. You will be unable to reach across that huge abyss and say, take my hand, take my hand and come over to the safe side. There is none of us who will be able to renew those who are falling away to repentance because to do that, we would have to crucify this mighty one who submitted to the indignity of death and the grave. He submitted to it once. Imagine thinking that your wife or your child or that girl you keep sleeping with. Imagine thinking that your interest in securing that person into the kingdom of God is so great an assignment that Jesus will agree to go back on that cross for that person. This too is deception. Great deception. A grand delusion. A party trick. A lie. God bless you. God bless you. May the grace of God abound to those who have hearing ears and are willing to follow on this little tiny machete path as we continue into the eternal kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. I will continue the prophecy shortly. God bless you. Until I see you again. Goodbye.